In Jonah chapter number three, we're going to be beginning in verse number one. I want to point out this is after Jonah was swallowed by the fish. Most people, whenever you begin to preach on Jonah, you got to start at the beginning, and we're going to start towards the end. Jonah here in, in, in chapter three, this is post fish. And a lot of times in our own lives, we, we find ourselves post fish. And so sometimes we've gone down the wrong roads, we've opened the wrong doors, we've done the wrong things, believed the wrong things, accepted the wrong things, maybe we've allowed the, the, the enemy to gain a little bit of a foothold or traction into our lives and we've begun to take on uh, more, more pushback than we, do, when, than we should. Sometimes when you allow the enemy into an area of your life, for instance, your prayer life, you cut that out, guess what? You cut out the power of God in your life. No matter how sincere or honest you are, if you don't have a prayer life, you don't have any power in your life spiritually. And sometimes we can get in those habits and we can allow the enemy to kind of get in our, our prayer closet and get us sidetracked and it kind of takes us into places and into situations that we don't belong in, we shouldn't be in, but we're there. Jonah, he was in a situation, he, he wasn't supposed to be there. Right? He was supposed to be in Nineveh, but he was in the, he was in the, in the fish. And sometimes in our own lives as Christians, we, 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 God has a calling on your life. You might be an encourager, an intercessor. You might be an evangelist or a, a, a minister of some, some, you may be a helper. You may be, you know, uh, like Barabbas. He was a, uh, Barnabas. He was a son of encouragement. He was an encourager. And, and there are places that we're supposed to be worship leaders. Maybe you're skilled in instruments. Maybe you're great at, 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 at helping people whenever they need a meal cooked. Maybe you're awesome at, uh, you know, giving someone a, a message of encouragement when they've lost a job or something. But God uses all of us in different various ways and at different times. It's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does. He's not just to give us backflips in church and swing from the chandeliers, but also to equip you for ministry. To equip you for ministry so that we can be the hands and the feet for the Lord to go out into the community and into the church and be the people of God. And sometimes we get off track. We, you know, oftentimes in the life of Israel, they would get off track. Sometimes they were, one time they were supposed to be redoing the temple and, 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 and making it beautiful. And they began to get so sidetracked on their own houses. They were, they were paving the sidewalk at home and leaving the sidewalk at church broken up. And they, they kind of got on to their own issues and then they began to find themselves fighting uphill. Like our parents used to say, going, uphill both ways to school. That's how life had gets sometimes when you're going the direction God doesn't want you to go. If you go the direction God doesn't want you to go, it feels like you're going uphill both ways. John Wesley, he said about ministry one time, he said that if God's called you for ministry, all of hell and the devil and all men can be against you. But if God be for you, who can be against you? But if you haven't been called to it, if you haven't been called to it, you're going to flame out because pushback will come. 
But when we're in that place, when we're in that place where God's called us to be, all of hell can come against you, but if God's for you, guess what? You will stand. But no matter how great your calling is, if you begin to disobey God and draw back from God and allow the enemy to to get a foothold in your life, no matter how sincere or intellectual, no matter how much of systematic theology you have memorized, no matter how long your, your years of service have been, no matter how big your offering has been, if you begin to disobey God and allow the enemy to have some kind of a foothold in your life, you will go down a road you're not meant to go down. And you'll fight a battle you weren't meant to fight. And you'll get involved in a situation that God didn't want you to get in. And I'm not saying he won't get you out, but he didn't want you to get in it. Jonah got in the belly of this fish through disobedience. And I believe every Christian at some point in their time probably can identify with that situation. I'm not talking about a real fish, right? I mean, maybe, but... Sometimes we get involved in a situation, it feels like you're, you're stuck. You ever felt stuck in a situation? So Jonah got involved, he disobeyed God, he allowed the enemy to get a foothold in his life, and he found himself in the, in, in the belly of this fish, and guess what Jonah found in the belly of the fish? He found out that he was wrong and God was right. This is key to Repentance. He found out he was wrong and God was right. You know what happens? We call that God waiting you out. God's desire is your heart in a sincere and pure way. And God will wait you out to get it. We we might have to go through wave after wave after wave of hardship and endure affliction until God can get us into a place where he can grab hold of a pure heart. I'll show you that in just a little bit. Jonah, in the belly of this fish, he found out that God was right, and he was wrong. I I believe that oftentimes when we get involved in situations, we, we just assume our way and God's way is the same way. But you see, whenever we stop praying, stop fasting, stop serving, stop searching, whenever we stop moving towards God in every fiber of our being, then we just assume that. But as the Apostle John said, there's a time that you know. You you know that you know that you know that God wants you to do this. But when we assume situations, we get involved in things we don't need to be in. But I want to point something out. So in in Jonah chapter 1, that's when he rebelled. Jonah chapter 2, he's in the belly of the fish, and he finds out God was right, and he was wrong. Verse number 10 of, of the last chapter, it said, And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Hey, How pleasant do you think that was? As, as we get involved in situations, remember this, there's ramifications. There's ramifications. The, the, uh, the old saying about the abiding in the vine and, and, you know, abide in Christ and Christ in you. And if you bear much fruit, he'll prune you so that you'll bear more fruit. Know this, if you hold back from God, the pruning process, it's going to hurt more. 
Well, I'm not ready to give that up, Pastor. Don't hold back on God. If God wants to prune things in our lives, it's the best thing for us because God knows how to make you beautiful. It's one thing to be beautiful in the eyes of men, but it's a completely another thing to be beautiful in the eyes of God. And God knows how to make you beautiful. And I'm talking to men too. Not in a girly way, but in a way that pleases God. Your worship would be beautiful. Your service to God would be beautiful. The way that you honor God, the way that you honor your family, the way that you honor others, the way that you love the church, it would be pleasing and beautiful to God. So in, in verse number 1 of chapter 3, it says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. I want to point something out to you right here. The word of God came to Jonah a second time. God didn't give up on Jonah. The word of the Lord came to him the first time, and he didn't obey it. And, but he stayed with God. He ended up realizing that God was right and he was wrong. He repented. He had this whole beautiful prayer in chapter 2. And, and the, the fish vomits him out. He's covered in vomit. He's not cleaned up yet. He don't have his life all together yet. And still, the word of the Lord, that still small voice from heaven, that, that place that you can't see with the naked eye, that, that heaven where angels and cherubim and seraphim fly around and worship the living God around the courts of the Holy of Holies. From that place, the word of God was ushered forth right into Jonah's life while he was still covered in vomit. God didn't wait till he got a tuxedo and a bath. Sometimes our life's messed up. But the minute we turn back to God, God will get us out of those situations somehow, some way, that light will break through the night hour, and God will meet us in that place of our brokenness, and the word of the Lord came back to him a second time. God can't use me, I failed him. That's not what Jonah found out. And if you look throughout the word of God, every man of God that was a man of God found out through the fire, God wasn't done with them yet. Abraham messed up with Hagar. He found out God was serious when he said he was going to give him a child through Sarah. All the men of God. Jacob, he found out God was serious about his promise. He didn't have to steal from God. He didn't have to steal from others. God was faithful. He could trust God. He had to find that out the hard way. And he walked with the limp the rest of his life after he found it out. All oh, the great men of God. David. We look at David as this great and mighty man, and he was, but he went into the valley. And he found out God never left him. He said even if he went into the valley of shadow of death, God would, he, he wouldn't fear because God would be with him. Even if he had to go in hell, God would be there. God would pull him out. God would lift him up. God would renew him and restore him and redeem his life. He knew God was the one that could do it. That's why he prayed, renew my heart. Change my heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. His prayer of repentance in Psalm 51. 
Every great man or woman of God has found out these truths. And I want you to see Jonah, it hit him. But this is powerful. The word came to him a second. God didn't say, now you remember what I said? He didn't have to go on assumption that, well, I don't know. Should I do this? Should I do that? But the word of God came to him. Because he had a he had a he had a beautiful repentance. Repentance is is preparing the way of the king. There's a whole sermon in that. But back in the old days, the, whenever John the Baptist said to, to, to fill in the holes and knock down the hills, what he was talking about, make straight the crooked paths. Back in the day, whenever the king would come to town, the city would have to go out and make sure that there was no branches laying in the way, that there wasn't any potholes or anything. They made it smooth that the king would be able to come on his chariot or his horses and not have to you know, have any hardship getting there because they wanted the king to find a pleasant road. To make it easy access. This is what John the Baptist's picture was for repentance. is giving God easy access to you. And when Jonah repented this way, he gave God his heart. Here's all my heart, Lord. Here's all my heart, Lord. Look, he failed God. He failed God. Have you failed God before? I think everybody probably could say yes. He failed God. He messed up. He was in a situation he didn't want to be in. But yet he still gave God his heart. And because he gave God all, God spoke to him a second time. God spoke to him a second time. And look what happened. It says that in in verse 3, So Jonah arose, went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. It means it took three days to walk across this thing. Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried. And said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. Jonah went, God, I want you to, there's, there's a, a, a thing I want you to see before we move forward. In, in chapter 1, God told Jonah to go cry against Nineveh. He didn't want to go cry against Nineveh. He would have had to fake the tears. He didn't want Nineveh to repent. He said, go cry against him. He didn't want to. When the word of God came to him the second time, God didn't have to tell him to cry. His heart was broken and contrite. His heart was for what God was for. God didn't have to tell him to cry the second time because his heart was, was towards the people that God wanted to save. And when he saw that they were outside of fellowship with God, he broke. He went into that city and he says he began to preach and he began to cry. He was weeping and these rebellious, ungodly people, look at the world today, these rebellious, ungodly people broke. You might think America's too far gone, but it's not. God can move in one hour across a whole land. The great awakening can move faster than any, than any prairie fire. And, and what happened was that when he began to preach and cry with that anointing, that it began to move on the hearts of people that were not right with God to the point that they fasted and prayed from the greatest to the least. From the temple worshiper, the idol maker, all the way down to the local, uh, Market thief. 
to, to, the, to the child, to the old person. God moved because Jonah obeyed. But I want you to see that there was something that happened in Jonah's life when he messed up and he found out that God was still there, that God still, you know, and he gave his heart to God. Do you want, I want you to know something. I believe that he would have preached to hell itself. Think about it. He came out of the belly of the fish after three days. It threw him up. He had throw up all over him. And the still, small voice of God spoke to him in the midst of that. I think, oh, you know, people, they got to get their lives right before they come to the altar. Look at Jonah. I mean, he was covered in throw up. He didn't smell good, look good. He probably wasn't pleasant to be around at that time. And yet, the voice of God hit his heart. Instructed him while he was still messed up. And, and... It did something in his faith. His faith, it, his faith went from being a, a, a weed to a wall. His faith skyrocketed. I mean, it became from something that was porous to something that was made of steel overnight. He was able to look at the city of Nineveh. He didn't need a wingman. He didn't need a megaphone. He didn't need anybody helping him. He didn't need anybody doing anything. He was on a mission and he wasn't going to be deterred. I want you to know God's got a mission for you. And when you realize what Jonah realized, that God's desire is for your pure heart in a pure place of repentance, and you find out God meets you there, that God will forgive you, and God will give you new life on a new mission, it will cause your faith to be the same way, to go from something that was porous and and something that was soft to something made of steel overnight. God will do that in your soul. But it takes going through the fire. Most people don't start out there. Most people got to walk through that fire to be made. E.M. Bounce said it takes 20 years to make a man of God. 20 years to make a man of God. Leonard Ravenhill said he doubted that until he made 20 years. He said he grew up in the faith knowing that E.M. Bounce had said that and he doubted. He said E.M. Bounce is good on prayer, but he's not good on that. And then he said when he made 20 years in the faith, he knew E.M. Bounds was right. Sometimes we got to walk through the fire to be made. To know God's faithful in our ups and our downs. In season and out of season, right? He's faithful in season and out of season. Sometimes we're hot, sometimes we're not. But God's faithful. Turn with me, if you will, to, to 1 Peter chapter 1. Here we're going to see the Apostle Peter teaching us about faith. He knew something about faith. When Peter is teaching the church about how our faith is refined, you know that it's coming from a voice of experience. Peter's one of my heroes in the faith. He was gung-ho. He was emotional. He was fiery, hot-headed. He bit off more than he could chew. 
But God never left him. And God strengthened him on the backside. From that backside, he learned more than he ever could have on the front side. It made him. It made him. Peter went on the time of Jesus' crucifixion. A little girl said, weren't you with him? A little girl said, weren't you with him? He said, I don't know him. He denied Christ three times. A little girl said, aren't you with him? He said, no. Days later, 50 days later, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, Peter stands up and preaches to over 3,000 people who had crucified Jesus. And he told them that Jesus was alive and that they must repent and be saved. What changed in Peter? God changed Peter. That's what changed. Peter thought that he was a failure, but God was just doing a beautiful work of refining him. In 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse number 5, it's, it says that who, meaning we, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We are kept by the power of God through our faith. God's vehicle of choice is faith. His vehicle of choice is faith. And he keeps us through faith. He keeps you through faith. It says, verse 6, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith your faith, the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found under the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, I don't know what it's going to take to get our faith to the point to where it's pleasing and it glorifies Jesus, to where it's, that it would be found under the praise, honor, and glory at his appearing. Some of us, we got work to be done in our lives. Some more than others, but everybody's got work to do. But he said, God's doing something. He's refining you. He's trying you. He's strengthening you. He's purifying your faith so that whenever Christ appears, you're not ashamed. There's coming a day soon when the wheat and the tares will be fully separated. There's coming a day soon when the wise virgin is going to be seen and the foolish virgin is going to be exposed. Today, you can't see the difference. Maybe by the gift of discernment, you can see who's a wheat and who's a tear, who's a wise virgin, who's a foolish virgin. But there's coming an hour when that, that trumpet's going to sound from one end of the earth to the other. And Christ is going to split the sky. And when he does, we'll know who's who and what's what. But he says here that the reason that we go through these things, the reason that these things are in our life is so that God can get us to a place to where when he appears, our faith actually is to his praise, his glory, and it actually honors the Lord. It's something that would please him. 
We don't have to be ashamed and say, you know what? You gave me one talent and I put it in my back pocket. I buried it. I didn't want to waste it. But you gave me five and here's ten. Or you gave me two and here's four. You gave me the gift of writing and so I began to write gospel tracts. You gave me the gift of gab. So I began to pick up the phone and call people and encourage them in the name of Jesus. You gave me the gift of encouragement. So I began to just pat people on the back and bless them in the name of the Lord. You gave me the gift of preaching. So I went out on the street corner and I preached. You gave me the gift of reading. So I read books and I shared with others what I knew and found out. It is whatever it takes but it is using those gifts and those callings that God has given us in the purpose that he has for us, which is what? For his kingdom. That his kingdom would advance. Some of us, we, we, haven't, we, we think that, well, you know, God just calls some people to preach and some people to sit. Wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. God calls all of us into ministry. We are all, listen, we are all supposed to be about the Father's business. We are all supposed to be engaged. We are all supposed to be given over to the work of the kingdom. We are all supposed to be seeking His kingdom above our kingdom. We are all supposed to be seeking the lost. We are all supposed to be preaching and teaching and baptizing in the name of the Lord. We are all supposed to be about His mission, His gospel. And it says it says here in verse 6, just backing up, it says that there was a season if need be. It, it, See that in verse 6 said, there's a season if need be. You see that part? There's a season if need be. You know what that means? If God needs you to go through a season so he can do something in you, he'll put you in a season. Well, I don't know why. It just seems like nothing's working right now for me. God doesn't put you in a season. It just seems like everything I do don't work. God doesn't put you in a season where you're going to have to walk by faith, not by sight no more. There's times that we get involved in situations we find ourselves in a season we don't want to be in, but you know what? God loves you, and he's going to do something in you. And on the back side of it, it's going to be better than on the front side of it. Nobody likes a new season. Nobody likes the transition. Nobody likes to be in the middle. But I promise you, if God's taking you in something, he's going to take you through something. And you'll be better off on the back side than you was on the front side. Just trust him, hold his hand, walk by faith, and know that he's going to get you to the other side. One of the most beautiful things, if you read about the Sea of Galilee, they, they, they say, I pray and hope that I get to go over there one day, but I don't know with all the COVID stuff, I'll get to go over there, but, but I hope and pray I do. But, but you know, they say that the Sea of Galilee, you can see from one side to the other. You can see it. You can see it. But when you're in the boat and the storm's there, it feels like you're never going to make it. But you can see it. And you know, sometimes it's like that in our lives. You can almost taste it. You can almost feel what it would be like to be on the other side of the season you're in. But you're in the season you're in because God's making you. God will make you. Now, you might be in the season because of you. You might be in it because of God. But God will make you in the season. And you'll be better off on the back side than you was on the front side. I don't think that God got Jacob into that place where he was stealing. 
But on the back side of it, he began to find out he never needed to do that because God was faithful. Look what this says in verse 7. It says that the trial of your faith, well, verse 6, it said that your uh, <clears throat> greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That's hardships, that's trials, that's, that's the things that pushes back on you. Why would, why would you be thankful that you're going through a hard season? Why would you be thankful that you're going through a hard season? It's not fun. I don't know anybody that says, Oh, joy, another hard day that's crushing my soul. I mean, nobody does that. That's why God had to write it. God wrote to you to rejoice always, and again I say rejoice because that's not our normal disposition. Only by the power of God and the Spirit of God is that possible. And so here we see that no matter how hard the season is, God's got a purpose in it. And you might have failed God like Jonah did, but God's not giving up on you. And if you'll trust God in the darkness, if you'll trust God in the hardship, the Word of God will come to you a second time. God will renew you, remake you, refine you, and restore you. If you'll hold to His hand, trust His promise, and keep holding to the gospel of Jesus Christ, you'll find out on the other side, God never left you. But what was He doing? He was making you. He was making you. You ever talk to somebody that's been through it? Have you been through it before? You know what I mean by it? That season that comes knocking and you don't want to answer the door. You ever talk to somebody that's come through the other side of that season? Try to tell them God's not real. You see, when you go through that season and you know God don't leave you, God never left you, and God got you through it, there's something that gets imparted to that soul that no demon in hell can scare you off of. There's something that gets imparted to your soul that people can scream, they can call you names, they can mock, trials, but it don't do nothing to you because you done been through it. You done been through it. Peter writes in verse 7, he said that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The trial of your faith, that is the refining of your faith. The trial here is not trial like at a court. The trial means is the trying of it, the testing of it, the proving of it. It's what this word means. This is, is what they would do to metal. They would stick it in the fire and try it. And what happens is if you put metal in at a certain temperature, it will melt everything but that metal. It will remove everything but what's supposed to be there. And sometimes you'll find yourself in a situation and what God is doing, he's burning out all the impurities. He's burning out every exit ramp that you left. You know, sometimes we, we have exit ramps. Well, I'm going to keep going to church. I'm going to keep worshiping the Lord. But if, you know what? If, if sister so-and-so says one more thing to me, I'm out. I'm never worshiping the Lord again. If they don't ever, you know, we, we'll have those outs. We'll have those things. But that just indicates there's something that's not right in there. And God will bring us through seasons and get us into places where he'll burn out all the impurities. 
He'll remove all the exits. He'll get you to a place where your faith is, is tried, it's true, and it's beautiful. And it's strong, and it's solid, and on the day that the storm comes, it won't fail you. It won't fail you. Now, Peter, I said this at the beginning, but, but Peter is writing this. If you want to learn about the trial of faith, Peter's the one to listen to. Because Peter failed God. Very quickly, one time, Jesus said, who do you say that I am? He said, I, I, you know, you're the Christ, you're the Son of God. And then Jesus began to tell him he was going to be crucified. And he said, no. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. In that quick, his faith messed him up. But then whenever he began to deny Jesus, Jesus spoke to him in Luke chapter 22. He said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. You know what Jesus said? But I prayed for you. Jesus didn't take him out of the storm. Jesus prayed him through the storm. Jesus didn't leave his side. Jesus got him from the front side of that storm through that thing all the way to the back side. And when Peter came out on the back side, Jesus made it a point to tell Mary Magdalene, go tell my disciples and Peter that I'm alive. And then he made a point to go visit with Peter when they were fishing. And he began and he pulled Peter to the side. And he asked Peter three times, do you love me? Because he was, he was, look, he was reversing the three denials. He fully and completely restored Peter. He prayed him through the storm. And then the word of Lord from Jesus to Peter came a second time. Just like with Jonah. So sometimes in our lives, we find ourselves in seasons of trials and temptations and and hardships, but I want you to know God's purifying things in us, and we may not even know what they are. God used Peter so much that over 3,000 people got saved at that first message. He led the church. He was the first one to preach to Jews. He was the first one to preach to Gentiles. In fact, when he began to preach at Cornelius' house, the Holy Ghost came on the people as he was preaching. And the Bible says, and they began to speak in tongues because they got baptized in the Holy Ghost as he preached. He raised up somebody from the dead. I mean, he just did all kinds of wonderful works. And God used him in a miraculous way. But God had to, God had to solidify his faith. And for you to be used in the way that God wants you to be used, he will refine you. He will burn out all the dross. He will burn out the impurities. He will remove the things that need to be removed. And He will get you in the position that He needs you to be in so that He can use you the way that He wants to use you. You may not understand why things are stacked against you right now, but God's making you right now. God's forging things in you right now that no man can take from you and no devil can take from you. God's putting things and imparting things in you. He's making you who he wants you to be and he's doing it in a way that nobody and no thing can remove those things from you. You try, try to tell on the backside of the Holy Ghost Peter to deny Jesus. Ain't gonna happen. He went, in fact, he didn't deny Jesus to the point where he was crucified upside down. When Jesus was about to be crucified, he ran from a little girl 
Years later, after all this, after the refining of his faith, the trial of his faith and being filled with the Spirit of God, he went to a point where he didn't deny Jesus. He spoke of Jesus. He didn't stop speaking about Jesus. They told him to stop speaking about Jesus, but he kept preaching about Jesus. And you know what happened? They said, if you preach about they were going to kill him, and they did. They crucified him. He said he didn't want to be crucified upside down because that, he didn't want to dishonor what Jesus did. So they crucified him upside down. If you'll deny Jesus, we won't kill you. Look how much his faith changed. Look how much his faith changed. From denying Jesus in front of a little girl to willingly being crucified upside down because he wouldn't back off his faith. God was making him. When Jesus said, Peter, I prayed for you. He meant it. He meant it. Do you know that Jesus is praying for you? Did you know that? Did you know that the Bible says that Jesus is your mediator? That he intercedes for you? That he is your high priest? That he is, uh, he is our mediator. The one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. The God man. God manifests in the flesh. He's the one. He's our link. He's the one that is, is tender toward us. Merciful toward us. And he knows what we need more than we know what we need. And he'll pray those things into our lives. Yet another reason why you need to be praying in the spirit. Sometimes you don't even know what you need, but God does. And notice right here, it says that, that your, your, faith, your faith would be tried with fire, but it would be found to the praise of Jesus, to the praise of Jesus. I pray and hope that one day, every single one of us, whenever the Lord comes, that our faith would be to his praise. And when he, when he comes through that sky and that trumpet sounds, none of us have to put things away. None of us have to hide anything, kick dirt over stuff, straighten things up before he comes. You know, when your neighbor knocks on your door, when you're not suspecting it, you got to, you know, do this, do that, whatever. I wasn't expecting anybody. Got to get ready. This out of place, this not right. At least got to put my shoes on. But you know, the Lord's coming in an hour that we know not. And he's not going to knock on the door. He's going to split the sky. And all the dead in Christ are going to rise. And we're not going to have time to turn off the TV. We're not going to have time to, do, to go fix stuff that should have been fixed and forgive somebody that should have been forgiven and, and go pay back somebody that we need to pay back or go do this, go do that. The wheat will be wheat and the tares will be tares on that day. And, and God's working today to get us to a place where we're ready for that day. I don't know why I got to keep going through this. God's refining you. He's getting you ready. He's getting you to a point that we need to be at so that we can be the men and women God's called us to be. I believe with all my heart, if we would get this one principle, we would get it. Seek the Lord, right? Seek the Lord with all our heart. Seek the Lord with all our heart. If you'll begin to do that, you'll begin to see things clearly again. Amen.
Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you tonight, and we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. And God, we thank you for the ministry of your spirit. 